Welcome back to another episode of the Football MD Podcast. Today is Monday, July 23rd. I am your host, Michael Bowling, joined as always by my co-host, Daniel Ronan. Remember to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Football MD Podcast. We thank you for joining us, and we hope that you continue to do so. Over the last three weeks, we've been breaking down our quarterback and running back rankings, so if you've missed those episodes, definitely go back and listen in. But if you would like to see our full rankings, articles, and much more, make sure you check out footballmdpodcast.com. That is footballmdpodcast.com. And before we get into our wide receivers, the top 15 we're going to do today, we're going to talk a little bit about some breaking news around the NFL this week. First up was Le'Veon Bell not getting his contract situated with uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. To me, I don't know how Mike feels about it, but I think this guarantees that it's going to be his final season as a Steeler. I also think that that's a mistake. I think they offered him a very fair contract. I think he should have taken it. I also believe that he's not going to get as much on the open market as he may believe, being 27 next year with maybe five or six seasons with about 300 touches or more. So obviously a lot of work already put on him in his career. I'm not saying he doesn't have it in a tank. I think no matter where he goes, he's going to be great. I just don't know if the price tag is going to be that high for a 27-year-old running back with a lot of volume already on his body. Yeah, I mean, Le'Veon Bell, he's obviously a great player, and I don't really blame him for asking for more money because that's typically what it takes to change the market, and the market at the running back position is just much lower than that of other positions that teams view as more important to their future success. Running backs viewed as a little bit more of a short-term luxury than a necessity on football teams, in my opinion. I don't think he's going to be able to get the amount of money that he's asking for, and lesson learned from this is I'm not going to let my kid be a running back. <laughs> That's really it. You know, he his skill well, level is there. Well, I will say... It, he does does he deserve the money that he's asking for? I absolutely. You you can yeah. you can argue that I'm saying a large majority of that offense goes straight through Le'Veon Bell with his 80 receptions a year and 200 plus 250 plus carries. He's absolutely invaluable and he should get paid as a top tier guy. I don't know why running backs aren't paid as much, being that they carry a lot of the burden. But definitely, I just don't think I don't think that his price tag is going to stay that high in the open market next year being his situation. Moving on to our next bit of news coming out of the NFL this week, Brandon Cooks signed a five-year contract extension with the LA Rams for $81 million without playing a single snap for the team yet. This wasn't extremely surprising to me. I think that they gave up a first-round pick to bring Brandon Cooks on, so obviously they're one of the first things that they're going to want to do is make sure they're going to have him for the long term, as you would a typical first-round pick. The big question here is the impact that this will have on fantasy teams this coming season, as I think signing Brandon Cooks is a great move for the LA Rams as a team. However, I am still kind of low on Brandon Cooks going into this season, as we'll discuss later on in our wide receiver rankings. But overall, I think this is a great move for the LA Rams as a whole. Yeah, I mean, the one thing that I will say about this move is not so much that they paid him. It actually makes him the eighth highest paid wide receiver, I think, on a per year basis in the NFL. Ninth is Julio Jones. So he's getting making more money than Julio Jones. I don't know if he was worth that price tag. He's kind of, to me, a little bit of a one-trick pony. He's kind of like a burner down the sideline. That being said, obviously, like you say, you give a first-round pick. You put a lot of stock in that. They were going to sign him long-term. The one thing to me is to sign him without a downplayed, not a right. single downplayed for the team. That, to me, stood out as 
they love this guy. They really want to keep him for the long term. Obviously, like you said, for fantasy purposes, I'll be honest with you. I'm a huge Robert Woods fan. I've been on Robert Woods since last season. I think he's a true number one wide receiver, and he can be. I think this does hurt Robert Woods' stock a little bit. When you pay that guy that much money, $81 million, that's like, I think it's 16 per year, that's elite pay. You're going to try to get that guy the ball, no doubt. So I think it definitely hurts Robert Woods' stock a little bit bumps Brandon Cooks but we'll obviously dive into that more as we talk about our top wide receivers yeah and I do think that like you said the that price tag might be a little high for Brandon Cooks the only sample size that we have from him I mean he played with Drew Brees and Tom Brady two future Hall of Fame quarterbacks now he's going to Jared Goff so we don't really know not that Jared Goff's a bad NFL quarterback but I think it's fair to say he's nowhere near where Drew Brees and Tom Brady are currently at or have been over the past few years absolutely not it's right. not even close so um, we'll see how that turns out for the LA Rams and then the last thing we wanted to touch on um being that we are from New Jersey and we're close to the New York area this is kind of big deal for us former New York Jet he actually signed a day contract so he can retire as a Jet Darrell Revis retires seven-time Pro Bowler four-time first team All-Pro 2007 through 2017 145 games played 139 pass deflections, 29 interceptions, three touchdowns as a lockdown corner, and also brought a well-rounded trait with over 400 tackles. In my opinion, obviously, I think he's a Hall of Famer. The question is, is he a first ballot? Is he like the top tier kind of guys? I think he is. You know, when it, just the eye test, watching him play, like I said, you know, I grew up, my dad's a Jet fan. A lot of Jet fans in my family, being from the New York area, he was truly a shutdown lockdown corner, and he was dominant in the years that he was playing. I mean, not so much on the Kansas City Chiefs. I wish he wouldn't have done that to begin with. And I feel bad that he had to go to the Patriots for the Super Bowl. That being said, I completely understand the move because he wasn't getting one with the Jets. And he gave the Jets what you know what he owed them. And I'm happy he retired a Jet. But definitely going to miss him from football. But I'll be excited to see him in Canton, no doubt. For sure. Yeah, Revis Island was was a real thing. Um, I don't know if I've seen many other, if any, cornerbacks locked down top elite wide receivers the way that he was able to literally he would make top wide receivers just disappear for opposing offenses so definitely going to be missed he was always fun to watch but a great career nonetheless now moving into our consensus wide receiver rankings today we're going to be going through numbers one through 15 next week we'll be covering 16 through 30 so definitely stay tuned for that but coming in at number one on our consensus rankings no surprise here Antonio Brown. He currently has an ADP of the fifth overall pick, and that's completely fair for the player. He, in 2017, had the most receptions, 116, and the most yards, 1,569, despite missing two full games. The crazy part is, over the last five seasons, he averages those same numbers, plus 10 touchdowns. The guy's been as consistent as possible. Over the past three seasons, in his 45 games played, he's performed as a top 12 wide receiver, 55% of the time. That's more than any other wide receiver in the league. Odell Beckham Jr. is next in that department, and he's finished 48% of his games in the top 12. So 7% higher than Odell Beckham Jr. Last season, he had six top five performances in his 14 games played, and he's been a top six overall wide receiver every year since 2013, and he's finished in the top three every year since 2014. I don't think there's too many arguments you can make for putting anybody above Antonio Brown at this point in his career. Yeah, absolutely not. And as a diehard Falcons fan and somebody who believes Julio Jones is the number one wide receiver in the NFL, 
when it comes to fantasy football, Antonio Brown is bar none the best player. And I mean best player. He is the best fantasy player, the most consistent fantasy player. I've seen anybody who has Antonio Brown on their team, loves every minute of it, every season. He really is the best fantasy player in my opinion. So not much to say about Antonio Brown. But moving on to the second ranked wide receiver on our consensus rankings is OBJ. The reason why is, you know, yeah, he missed last season, but since he's been in the league as a rookie, wide receiver six, year after wide receiver five, year after that wide receiver four, and then you had the injury season last year, so it wasn't really fair to grade that one. But, you know, as a wide receiver six, as his rookie season, he only played 13 games. So he's productive on even a small amount of work. He had 90 receptions, 90 plus receptions, 1,300 plus yards and 10 plus touchdowns in his first three seasons before the injury season. And he's always had 130 plus targets before the injury season. So he's honestly just getting elite level opportunities. He gives you elite level production. The eye test when you watch him play, you know, I argue all the time that it's in between Antonio Brown and Julio Jones for number one wide receiver, but Odell Beckham Jr. might be the most explosive wide receiver in the game. He can really, he has that home run ability from the five yard line. He could take a slant straight up the field. It's polarizing to watch and, you know, that's why he comes in at number two. Yeah, the things that he's able to do is just incredible. Looking at his 47 career games played, he's finished as a wide receiver one, that's top 12 at the position, in 48.9 percent of those 47 games the next closest wide receiver is julio jones who's hit that mark in 40.4 percent of his games so still at an incredible rate but that's 7.5 percent less than odell beckham jr my only concern with him why one of the main reasons i have him behind antonio brown is that eli has been trending in the wrong direction over the past few years i do think that eli's being a little bit underrated going into this season based off of what we saw last year and that offense is going to be much improved but that's still something to keep in mind. Still a bit of a concern, of course, that you have to have for somebody that you're going to be taking in the first round of your draft. Next up, number three, DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins in our consensus ranking coming at number three because he really is that elite usage and skill set type of guy. He arguably is probably going to play with the best quarterback he's ever played with in his career in Deshaun Watson, in my opinion. You Looking, mean you don't like Brock Osweiler and <laughs> TJ Yates? I mean, that's a gimme. So, I mean, like I said, best quarterback he's ever had in his career. Looking back at his career, he had 1,200-plus yards three out of the five years that he's played. His touchdowns and receptions go up and down, but he's always had 120-plus targets and a 33% target share last year. So he's getting opportunity, and I'm sure with Deshaun Watson, he'll be a little bit more. Because Deshaun Watson can run and suck in defenses, he'll be able to get over top and make plays. Yeah, the guy had 96 receptions, 1,378 yards, and 13 touchdowns in 2017. He was completely dominant. My only knocks on DeAndre Hopkins going into 2018 are that he had a 33% target share in 2017. So I'm expecting some slight regression in that category, but not much. And I am expecting some touchdown regression from Deshaun Watson. As mentioned on episode one, where we went through our top-ranked quarterbacks, Deshaun Watson had a touchdown rate of over 9%, where the league average is right around 4.3%. Obviously, those numbers are going to come down quite a bit. And you are paying the price for DeAndre Hopkins based off of last year's performance. I think you're really drafting him at his ceiling. And I wouldn't be surprised if he repeats that. However, the value really isn't there where you're going to be taking him early in the first round. Moving on to our fourth ranked consensus wide
wide receiver, we have Michael Thomas. I personally love Thomas going into 2018. He currently has an average draft position of the third pick of the second round. In 2017, he was the wide receiver six. In 2016, he was the wide receiver seven. And he's been extremely consistent over his first two seasons. He's finished as a wide receiver two, which is in the top 24, or better, more often than all wide receivers not named DeAndre Hopkins over the last two seasons. He also had nine touchdowns in his rookie season, which dropped to five last year, which is why he may have felt a little bit less consistent if you had him on your fantasy team, but I'm expecting that number to normalize just a little bit. And he only had fewer than eight targets in only two games last season. So especially for PPR or half point leagues, he's a guy that you know is going to be getting a ton of targets and he has the talent to make the most out of those. So I don't think you should be expecting too many monster weeks but he should remain super consistent in 2018. And hopefully Drew Brees will see some positive regression in the touchdown category. And hopefully a lot of those will go to Michael Thomas. Yeah, I mean, listen, I like Michael Thomas just about as much as a diehard Falcons fan can like a (laughs) New Orleans Saint, right? Yeah, this is saying a lot right here. I wouldn't personally put him on my team, but it would be bad for me to tell you that he's not worth it. He is the number one pass catcher on the team, and he does have Drew Brees, an excellent passer, Hall of Fame passer as his quarterback. So I think, obvious, you don't got to speak much. He has the talent. He gets the opportunity. He's been doing it. He's been very productive ever since his rookie season at a historical rate since the beginning of his career. So, yeah, everything's upward for Michael Thomas. The only thing I will say is, obviously, now they have that very strong run game, which is not as common and we have talked about in our previous episodes how it's probably going to reduce back to the mean but at the same time more on the run game a little bit less for Michael Thomas but even still he'll be an elite level wide receiver no doubt yeah Drew Brees is getting a little bit older and we saw it last year it clearly looks like the team wants to move a little bit more towards the run game take a little bit of that pressure off of Drew Brees extend his career a little bit and not ask him to literally carry the team as he had to do in the past but we are expecting Expecting that to normalize a little bit back to Drew Brees' career averages. Moving on to number five, we have Keenan Allen of the LA Chargers. He is currently going at the fifth pick of the second round. Last season, he was the wide receiver three. Now, the guy's only 26 years old, and I know there's been some knocks against him about being a little injury prone in the past, but I think most of his injuries have been fluke injuries. And one rule that I kind of live by are guys are injury prone until they're not. And last season, we saw Keenan Allen play a full 16 games, and we saw how dominant he really could be. He got off to a bit of a slow start. However, in the second half of 2017, Allen and Rivers really started to connect, and he ended up being on a full season pace of over 1,900 yards and 12 touchdowns. Meanwhile, from weeks one to nine, he was the wide receiver 34 in points per game. And I'm not projecting double-digit touchdowns for him going into this year, but I could see him being right around 1,400 yards and upwards of six, seven, eight touchdowns, no problem. My biggest problem with Keenan Allen is just that we talk about running backs on good teams. Sometimes it's better to have wide receivers on bad teams. Mm -hmm. You should check out our website, guys, for the top 10 fantasy football commandments written by uh, Jimmy Morrison. That'll be dropping in the next couple of days, and he really dives into this topic. But anyway, Allen is a guy who I think he's, he's had a lot of opportunity and this and that. I think the Chargers are actually the best team in that division this year, and I'm usually not very high on the Chargers. So for me to go and say that they're the best team in that division and they're going to dominate means I'm saying good things for the Chargers, but it might mean a little bit less for Keenan Allen. I don't think he's going to have to do much. I think they're going to be beating teams with a a larger lead. They're going to be able to run the ball 
and run the clock with Melvin Gordon. They have a great defense. I just their 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 roster is way too talented to not dominate teams this year, and I really do do think they can do that. So not anything against Keenan Allen because he's an elite level wide receiver, but yeah, I just don't know if I see that top level production just because of I just don't know if they're going to need it out of him this year. That being said, Antonio Gates and Hunter Henry missing. Phil Rivers usually likes the tight end. If he already has built a rapport with Keenan Allen, that could be his go-to guy all season. Yeah, and I do think that some more improvement from second-year wide receiver Mike Williams and you have Tyrell Williams being able to stretch the field, I think that's going to benefit Keenan Allen. It's going to be, obviously, he's the wide receiver one on that team. He's the one that's going to be drawing the most coverage. But I do think that it's going to be tough for teams to key in on him for the entirety of the game. And I'm super high on Mike Williams going into this year, so I think teams are going to have their hands full with him and not be able to just target Keenan Allen. All right, coming in right outside the top five at number six is Julio Jones. Obviously, as a Falcons fan, I'm the first guy to say Julio Jones is the best wide receiver in in football. That being said, I'm the first guy to say he's the last <laughs> elite wide receiver that I would put on my fantasy team. For some reason, and you know, I don't expect three touchdowns like last year, but he's had maybe one or two seasons in his career with double-digit touchdowns. He typically doesn't do it. He doesn't score a lot. Yes, he's very consistent from a yards perspective, but he also does it on less catches. So for PPR, he doesn't get that added boost. He usually does it on about 80 receptions as a per, as opposed to uh, Antonio Brown. He does it on 100 or 110. I love Julio. Obviously, he still has been four straight seasons with 14, 1,400 or more yards and a top 10 in his position. He's efficient. He averages 130 targets targets per season but like I said not as consistent with the touchdowns yeah I know he has been a little bit inconsistent with touchdowns but in 2017 Julio Jones had 22 red zone targets and only six receptions in the red zone so that's a high number of targets for a player with the skill set of Julio Jones and the body type that he has he is a big bodied wide receiver to only pull down six receptions we know that a high rate of red zone targets equates to more touchdowns than not so I am expecting some positive regression in the touchdown category for Julio Jones going into this year. But as you were saying, he has felt a little bit inconsistent for your fantasy teams. You said he was the wide receiver four last season, and it really did not feel like that if you had him on your team. He, In fact, he only had three top 10 performances last season, and 11 of his games he finished outside of the top 25 at the position. So he had a ton of boomer bust weeks, and I'm expecting that to normalize a little bit. But of course, there are the injury concerns with Julio Jones. He's always had these nagging injuries. You don't know when he's going to be at 100% or if he's going to be held out of a game or two here or there. So for that reason, he does fall behind these other wide receivers that we have really positive outlooks for going into 2018. Up next at number seven is A.J. Green. This is a guy I am super high on. He's been productive and he gets a lot of opportunity. He's been efficient with his dun- with what he's done. Seven out of the eight years he's played, he has a thousand over 1,000 yards. And he has a perfect frame, 6'4", 210 for the wide receiver position. Out of those eight seasons, he has five where he's played over 15 games. Of those five, four of them have been top 12 finishes. So you know he's going to produce when he plays a whole season. And there's a good chance that he plays a whole season. He's reliable. There's not too many other options. I like Joe Mixon as a talent in the backfield. But as far as pass catchers, I do actually, I have a bright outlook for John Ross this season. We're not going to talk about him in our even in our top 30. I will say though, I've been taking John Ross in my mock drafts. He's one of the guys that I really like to grab in the 16th round if I already have a kicker defense or if it's a league that doesn't require me to take a kicker or a defense. I'll punt on those positions 
and I'll take John Ross with my last pick for that upside for sure. Yeah, no doubt. Like I said, like I like his upside. Obviously, the speed is intriguing. But besides John Ross, there's not much competition as far as for the receptions. So a lot of them are going to go to AJ Green's way. I commented earlier about the article and about the running backs on good teams and the wide receivers on bad teams. This is another example. Bengals, I don't think they're going to be that great. But it might be, that might be to the benefit of A.J. Green. A lot of catches in garbage time, a lot of production in garbage time. Yes, and you touched on that number of 15 games played before. And when A.J. Green does play 15 games, he averages 84 receptions, 1,241 yards, and 9.4 touchdowns. So if the guy is on the field, if he is healthy, he's going to be a stud for your fantasy team. And last season, he was definitely hampered by that Bengals offense, which we touched on this again with Joe Mixon. The Bengals had the 8th fewest pass plays in 2017 and the 4th fewest run plays. So that entire offense was just in shambles last season. I am expecting some slight improvement on that front. And A.J. Green is really just a top player at the position. I truly think that he does have top 5 potential, especially in standard leagues. I know we do our rankings based off of half point per reception. However, in standard leagues, he is a little bit lower on the on the reception totals but his yardage and touchdowns will make him a much more valuable wide receiver in that format. Moving on to our number eight wide receiver, we have Devontae Adams of the Green Bay Packers, currently going in the middle of the second round. Last season, he was the wide receiver 14. Despite not having Aaron Rodgers for the majority of the season, he did this with Brett Hundley, and he had 10 touchdowns, whereas in 2016, he finished as the wide receiver eight on the back of 10 touchdowns. During those two seasons, he did have under 1,000 yards and only 75 receptions. So it does seem that Devontae Adams is a little bit touchdown dependent, which is typically the type of player that I'll try to avoid in my fantasy drafts. But I will make the exception if your quarterback is Aaron Rodgers. He came in as the number one consensus quarterback for us in our rankings. Combine that with no more Jordy Nelson, who has been a favorite target of Aaron Rodgers over the past few seasons. Obviously, we know he seemed like he missed a step last year, but I do think that some more targets should be heading in Devontae Adams' way. I'm not worried about Jimmy Graham coming to the team. I know that he had 10 touchdowns last season, and some people might be worried about that, but I don't think the Green Bay Packers need a red zone target like that. Yes, it'll benefit, but they have enough weapons and they score enough touchdowns every year without that red zone threat that I don't think they need Jimmy Graham to come in and make that kind of an impact for their team. I actually love Adams this year, somebody that I'm very high on. I like that he's going to be Aaron Rodgers' number one wide receiver. Now, I know that's Jordy Nelson the past few years, and obviously he he has had an amazing rapport with Jordy Nelson, and that's probably irreplaceable. But Devonta Adams has been there a while. He's a guy who's came up in Green Bay, so it's not like he's a stranger to Aaron Rodgers by any means. Yeah, he does have 17 touchdowns in his 22 career games with Aaron Rodgers. The only thing that I have against Adams is is Jimmy Graham. I like Jimmy Graham a lot. I think Jimmy Graham is going to go there, and they are going to use Jimmy Graham, because why wouldn't you use Jimmy Graham? He's an elite tight end. He's got an amazing skill set. You can put him all over the field, and that's just it. That's why you get Jimmy Graham, because he's not just playing the tight end position for you. He can play outside. He can. You can put him at fullback. You can use him all over the field. So Jimmy Graham, I think, you know, I think he is going to get some usage. But that being said, Devonta Adams has already been a productive wide receiver with Jordy Nelson present. Now, Devonta Adams gets to keep his role and garner some more targets, being that he's the true number one wide receiver there. 
So I like Devonta Adams a lot this year, and I think he's going to get plus usage, a lot of usage. Yeah, and I do like the idea of Jimmy Graham. Obviously, a red zone threat on an Aaron Rodgers offense should be great, but I think that the way that Aaron Rodgers likes to run that offense, he really relies on the scheme and the players knowing that scheme. He doesn't wait for someone to be open. He knows where that player is going, and he throws them the ball before they're there. He really expects you to be there, and that's tough for a new player coming into the system to learn. So for that reason, I'm a little bit down on Jimmy Graham. I don't know what kind of rapport he will have with Aaron Rodgers, which hopefully we'll get a little bit of insight of that. Well, the the thing that you're not thinking about is the fact that he just played with a quarterback that's very similar in, in in such a tactic, whereas Russell Wilson will extend the play and you have to kind of make up as you go because you don't know where he's going to be right. bootlegging you don't know that he's going to be standing in the pocket you know Very the one improvised. thing you know is that he's not going to be standing in the pocket and the play is going to get extended and you're going to have to make a play on the ball and you're going to have to make adjustments to your route so in that sense he's going to play with a similar quarterback who's a top level quarterback who can get you the football and that's the thing with Aaron Rodgers yeah Aaron Rodgers you know he probably relies very heavily on his wide receivers doing the right thing but wide receivers they change the route all the time Sometimes it's unpredictable. The thing is with Aaron Rodgers is when he extends the play, he's going to be able to locate you and he's going to be able to get you the ball. And with that frame, it's kind of just like, hey, there's Jimmy Graham. Let's just throw it up. And he can always come down with it. There's always a shot. And I think when you see Aaron Rodgers' Hail Marys, you know he's not afraid to just throw it up. So oh, it, gives, it, up there, yeah. it gives Jimmy Graham the opportunity to do so. So. Yeah, well, so it looks like we might have a little bit of uh, an argument coming up on our feature. Sleeping on Jimmy Graham over here. (laughs) Yeah, we might have an argument coming up on our tight end episode here, but we are doing wide receivers today. So moving to our number nine wide receiver, we have Mike Evans. I've slowly been moving down on Mike Evans. He's currently going in the back of the second round, which I still think is pretty decent value for him. But since 2014, he's finished as the wide receiver 12, 24, 2, and 17 last season. So there's definitely been a little, not a little, there's definitely been a lot of ups and downs in his career. And what a lot of people hold on to is his breakout season in 2016, where he had 1,321 yards and 12 touchdowns. But in 2017, he regressed by 300 yards and seven touchdowns. He turned 18 red zone targets into only three touchdowns, which again, this is the same thing with Julio Jones, a big bodied wide receiver, should be doing a little bit more of that. And it is worth noting that during his 2016 breakout, Mike Evans had 173 targets. Now that's a target number that you want on your fantasy team. However, the wide receiver two on the team that season was Adam Humphreys. So there was zero competition for targets that year. And during that year, he only caught 55% of those targets. That ranked 37th in catch rate amongst wide receivers with 100 or more targets. Also, he has a career catch rate of only 52%. So as a top wide receiver, someone who was highly touted coming out of the draft, someone who's in many fantasy players' minds thought of as an elite wide receiver, 52% catch rate over your career is not what you want to see. And last season, he's finished outside of the top 24 eight times. In fact, he didn't finish in the top 10 of the position once after week seven. Now, I know I just kind of trashed Mike Evans for everybody, but he is still my wide receiver nine going into this year as of right now. And the reasons for that are the Buccaneers had the eighth highest wide receiver target and completion percentage in 2017. You know that they want to throw the ball. And of course, you love that the guy is 6'5", 230 pounds. He's only 25 years old, and he's flashed elite talent at times, averaging 1,144 yards over his first four seasons with two 12-touchdown seasons on his resume. 
Yeah, I mean, you did just kind of rip him to shreds, but here's the thing I about Mike Evans. I built him back up, too, averaging 1,141 40 Here's yards. the thing about Mike Evans. He is an elite big-body wide receiver. He can bring you everything you want. I love Evans as far as his play style, everything he brings to the table. I think he's been super productive. One play sticks out to me. Right on the sideline, Keanu Neal put a hit on this guy. I couldn't believe it. One, I couldn't believe that Evans was able to stay in balance. Two, I wasn't able to believe that he held the ball. He got absolutely rocked. <laughs> absolutely rocked. And he's hung in there tough. And he, he, he not only dragged both toes, but he caught the ball on the sideline. Got a good first down for the Bucks. Falcons won that game anyway, but he brings you in an elite talent. So I like him. But yeah, as far as the elite wide receivers go, I definitely have him a little bit back. Just because of the quarterback situation. Now, Jameis Winston has been great. But with the suspension, that's going to fluctuate. I just think he's not in a consistent position. Now, I think the Bucks have a talented roster, and I think they can turn around absolutely. I love Rojo. I'm a huge fan. He re- reminds me a lot of Jamal Charles. He's got like that home run ability, that big play, that big threat ability. But I just don't see the consistency from the Bucks in order to put him in the top five. That's why he comes in at number nine. Yeah, and as I mentioned, that elite talent really has flashed, and you know that the yardage is going to be there for Mike Evans. However, I do think that whether he gives you an elite season or not really depends on his touchdown totals. And as we've seen in Evans' own career, wide receiver touchdowns are not steady. Just some data on that real quick. DeAndre Hopkins went from four touchdowns to 13. Keenan Allen went from zero touchdowns to six. Jarvis Landry went from four touchdowns to nine. Marvin Jones went from four to nine. A.J. Green went from four to eight. Robbie Anderson went from 2 to 7, Alshon Jeffrey went from 2 to 9, and Stephon Diggs went from 3 to 8. Now those are all players that have had some ups and down seasons in the touchdown department, and we saw when they do have those high number of touchdowns, they finish as elite players at the position, and those numbers are very difficult to predict year in and year out. That's why I have him a little bit lower and why I am a bit down on him, but as I mentioned, he has the frame, he has the skill set to be that elite wide receiver. I just don't know if it's going to be capitalized upon in 2018. I actually totally agree with that because, like I said, I just don't think the Bucks are the team to take advantage of the fact that they have an elite level wide receiver there on their team. They just and it's to no fault of their own. I think their talent is their roster is talented. I'm not a huge fan of their coaching. I'm not going to get into that right now. We'll talk Bucks another day. But anyway, we're going to move on to two guys that I am very high on our next two guys i am super high on i've been targeting them in all my leagues i'm really excited about these guys so the first one is at number 10 doug baldwin dougie Dougie b B. dougie b is the man who doesn't love the fact that you have an elite quarterback and some pass catchers left the building as far as paul richardson and jimmy graham 175 targets to richardson and graham last year by the way 33 of those 175 targets were also in the red zone so hopefully a lot of those go back to Doug Baldwin. Oh, absolutely. And not only that, but he's been he's been productive. He's had three consecutive seasons with 100-plus targets. I mean, the one downside is he only offers 10 points per game in PPR settings. In non-PPR settings, he's a little under 10 points per game. But with his ADP not being as high as some of the elite-level wide receivers, he offers you fair consistency. And honestly, I think this year is a year that you're going to see a lot of upside. He's had one season with 14-plus touchdowns. That's definitely an outlier, but he has had seasons with eight touchdowns or so, and I believe this year he could get double digits. I don't see 14, but could he have 10 or 11? Yeah, I think so, especially when you equate all those red zone targets that 
have been abandoned in that offense. I just think he's obviously has a great rapport with Russell Wilson, an elite level quarterback who's going to ask to do a lot. So yeah, Doug Baldwin, in my opinion, especially for this season, all arrows pointing up. Typically, I view Doug Baldwin as more of a standard format wide receiver. Last season, he only had 75 receptions. But looking over his stats over the last three seasons where he's finished as the wide receiver 13, 10, and 8, he actually has the 8th most receptions in the league over the last three years. And in those three seasons, only five wide receivers have more fantasy points than Doug Baldwin. I think the reason that no one has really realized that is because he is somewhat inconsistent. There are weeks where he disappears for your team, especially in PPR formats. He might only have four receptions or three receptions in a game. Which Julio does that as well. Yeah, he can kind of disappear on you at times. But as you said, there's some open targets in that on that Seahawks team, and I think Baldwin's going to be the beneficiary of those. We'll move straight on to one of my absolutely favorite guys this year. Mike and I have said multiple times that we're huge fans of going running back heavies. One of the first wide receivers I target in my mock drafts this year is Larry Fitzgerald. 10 seasons, 7 out of the 10, 1,000 plus yards, 3 consecutive 100 reception seasons, 8 out of 10 seasons with 15 plus points per game. He has one season, one season out of his 10 where he missed two games, only two games, the only two games he missed in his entire career. He's going to come out for you every game. He's going to play every down. He's going to give you extreme consistency. The past three years, top 12 finishes, wide receiver 5, 12, and 9. Obviously, like I said, with 100 receptions per year, he is a, gets a boost in PPR formats. And what to not love about Larry Legend, he started his career as an explosive outside wide receiver, diving all around the field, making great plays, and Bruce Arians gets to Arizona. They move him inside to the slot. He excels at no matter what you ask him to do. He's the best teammate. He's one of the former Walter Payton men of the year. Just a stand-up guy, great athlete. What is not to love about Larry Fetch? Gerald, sign him up for my squad every single day. As long as he's playing, he can be on my squad, no doubt. Again, he's one of the wide receivers, as Dan mentioned, that we love to target in our mock drafts. One of our first wide receivers going off the board for our teams personally. My only knock against him is in 2017, he did have nine games outside of the top 25 at the position. Those finishes were 81st, 60th, 56th, 49th, and 38th. So it is clear that he can disappear for you on some weeks, but I do attribute that in part to the Cardinals offense not really being able to get anything going and that's another concern that I have for him this year I'm not expecting the Cardinals offense to be a top offense in the league but I'm not worried about who's at quarterback I don't care if it's Bradford who I think will actually excel with a wide receiver like Larry Fitzgerald at his disposal and I don't care if it's Josh Rosen because I think Larry Fitzgerald would be a great safety blanket for a rookie quarterback to rely on plus you have David Johnson coming back this year I only think that's going to open things up for Larry Fitzgerald even more well the one thing and uh, we didn't talk Rosen uh, when we talk about quarterbacks obviously but I'll just chime this in it's a little off topic but I hope I really do hope Josh Rosen is taking advantage of those two guys, Sam Bradford and Larry Fitzgerald. Sam Bradford has been elite while he's been a quarterback. I mean, obviously the in injury concerns, but Josh Rosen can take a huge lesson from that as far as being available is a huge thing. Taking care of your body is a huge thing. And he sees this disparity in Larry Fitz, who's been there for every game, there every down, and he's a true pro. So Josh Rosen, message to you, absolutely I'm sure, 100%. I'm sure he's listening. <laughs> no, I don't care. <laughs> no, message sure. to you, take advantage of those 
those two guys you have two pros in the building that you can learn from take advantage of that and then that'll be a great start to your career yeah couldn't agree more moving on to number 13 we have one of my favorite wide receivers in the league ty hilton of course that's because i'm a colts fan and last year crushed my heart he is currently going in the middle of the third round and it's a huge discount for someone who led the league in receiving in 2016 now of course that was with andrew luck and i'm expecting andrew luck to be healthy going into this year reports seem positive out of indianapolis and we'll see what he does i know you're laughing now hold up <laughs> hold up because the other day i texted mike and he was i'm gonna i'm gonna do this to him right here on on the mic i told him that he was the kid who gets everything he wants for christmas but downplays it because he's just too old he's too cool he's probably like 16 years old he's not supposed to be celebrating with the family right he doesn't he's got the attitude with his dad you know but he got the news that andrew luck was healthy and projected to be full go at training camp and he's like oh well you know I'll wait until we see the season come along. You've been waiting two years for this quarterback to get back. Don't lie to anybody. You're excited. You're ready. Now you want to say that you're... <laughs> you know, I tried to play it cool, but, you know, we're a podcast for the people, so I'll be my true self for you guys. I'm totally psyched to see Andrew Luck taking the field again. And I really don't have... I'm not going to place much of an argument for T.Y. Hillen. If Andrew Luck is playing, T.Y. Hillen is his top target, and he's going to be a top 12 wide receiver. We've seen it every year that they've played together. There are the inconsistent weeks that you might get with T.Y. Hilton. I don't think he's an elite, as in like top five wide receiver, in the sense that he's going to give you the yardage totals, the receptions, the touchdowns, all the stuff that you look for in those guys. But he is going to give you those yardage totals. He is going to get a high number of receptions on certain games. He might have some down weeks, but for the most part, you're going to be psyched if you can get a wide receiver, the caliber of T.Y. Hilton in the middle of the third round. T.Y., for me, um, on my personal list, on our list, he comes in at 12. On my personal list, that's where I have him. I honestly struggle with that position because here has here is how I feel about T.Y. If Andrew Luck plays, top tier wide receiver. Mm-hmm. If Andrew Luck doesn't play, bottom end wide receiver too. He's just not yep. going to add you. He's not going to give you the consistency. And then the boom, the boom games are not even going to be that great either. You get what I'm saying without Andrew Luck? So usually if you're a wide receiver and you're boom or bust, the booms got to be really good. Like Julio, 300 yards. You get what I'm saying? Now the bust may be 40 yards and that, that that's horrible and that's hard to deal with. But when you give to a 300 yard game the week before, that's fine. With Andrew Luck, his he's gonna have the high ceiling of production. Without Andrew Luck, he's not going to have as high of a ceiling for the production. So the boom isn't gonna be there. The bust is is gonna be there. Not gonna be worth it in my opinion. So really, it's all dependent on Andrew Luck. Yeah, and he did finish as the wide receiver 27 last year without Andrew Luck. I do want to say though that I was very impressed with Jacoby Brissett stepping into that offense. Literally week one of the season and he had to learn that playbook he had to build rapport with his wide receivers so I think worst case scenario even if luck ends up not playing I think Jacoby Brissett is going to be in a much better situation to elevate that team than he was last year. Oh, you guys got a quality quarterback there, no doubt. And you needed that with the injury concerns for Andrew Luck. And like you said, being that he came in such short notice in the beginning of the season, this year would be in a way better position to produce at a higher level. I am not going to bank on that for my fantasy team until I see that. But as far as Colts outlook, if that's when you want to talk about, you know, get a little sidetracked here. I love that you guys have Brissett there because you don't know what's gonna happen with luck and even when luck gets back what if he re-injures or something like that happens Brissett's gonna be there just in case and Brissett is now he's not in my opinion gonna be a top tier guy but he's going to be a guy that you can rely on. And with a team around him, he can win games and you can be competitive with that kind of quarterback, no doubt. And like I said, like you said before, he's going to be improved from last season. 
Agreed. Now moving on to our number 13 wide receiver, we have Adam Thielen. Thielen comes in for me right now as my wide receiver 11. And I'm not going to lie, a few days ago I had him at number 9. And I might continue to move him down. So make sure you're checking the website to keep up with our rankings there. He's currently going in the early portion of the third round. And last season he was great. He was the wide receiver 10. He had 143 targets, 91 receptions, 1,276 yards, and 4 touchdowns. He also had the 6th most top 12 finishes at the wide receiver position. And obviously that's the type of consistency that you're going to be looking for someone that you're taking in the first few rounds. He just always seems to be wide open. He has great hands. I think he's on one of the best offenses in the NFL. Plus they have that upgrade at quarterback now with Kirk Cousins. My only knocks against him, which is making me a little bit nervous to take him so high, is that last year he received 27% of Minnesota's targets. That was the sixth most in the league. And he had the seventh highest reception percentage of 25.5%. So I wouldn't be surprised at all if those numbers regress a little bit. Plus, I think people are underestimating the move of Pat Shermer leaving Minnesota and going over to the Giants. Pat Shermer loved to target Adam Thielen in the slot. I think that's going to be great news for Sterling Shepard, who is one of my sleepers at the position over there on the New York Giants. But I think Thielen's going to see a pretty big drop in his targets this year. And I think the way that Kirk Cousins plays, he likes to stretch the field. He's not afraid to throw the ball up there. I think that more plays into Stephon Diggs' skill set. So this is another situation which we touched on with the running backs episode where if I think two players on the same team are kind of close I'm not really sure which one is going to be the beneficiary of that offense this year I like to get whoever's going cheaper and Stefan Diggs is currently going about a round and a half after Adam Thielen so even though I currently have Thielen higher I think I would still take Diggs come my fantasy draft well in regards to Pat Sherman leaving ask a Falcons fan what a coordinator leaving can do to the team so yeah no doubt there can be a huge change there I will say Adam Thielen is playing with the best quarterback he's ever played with in Kirk Cousins I think that's an upgrade that being said Thielen for me comes in at 19 it's just the eye test don't get me wrong he's been good but with the offense going in my opinion in a, di- in a different direction probably going to go through Dalvin Cook I'm obviously very high on Dalvin Cook if you listen to our running back one episode episode two if not go check it out but I think he's just not going to be asked to do so much in the passing game Kirk Cousins therefore their passing game as a whole is going to take a hit but I see Stefan Diggs being the number one guy so I just go digs over Thielen. Moving on to number 14, Demarius Thomas. Demarius Thomas has six consecutive 140 plus target seasons. That to me is huge. He's getting top, top tier opportunity. They've had fluctuation at quarterback and yet still he is at least garnering the same amount of targets. So no matter who comes in, they're going to be trying to get him the ball. He gets a bump in PPR because of those targets. He's 6'3", 230. So he gets a bump in the red zone. I just, Demarius Thomas isn't always super productive, but in my opinion, he's been a great wide receiver with a quarterback that's in the prime of his career like I said just a lot of red zone targets and targets in general going his way five straight seasons of 90 plus receptions and over 1,000 yards last season he was ninth in receptions so that opportunity for him is still there he's going to continue to be a focal point of that offense which I expect to be improved I think the addition of Case Keenum is only going to make that offense better I think the run game is going to be better I think the offensive line is going to be better and I think that's really going to benefit Demarius Thomas he's currently 
going at the fourth pick of the fourth round. Like we've been saying this entire podcast, we both like to grab our running backs early. So grabbing guys like Larry Fitzgerald and Demarius Thomas are reliable wide receivers that we can plug into our lineups every single week and not have to worry about. Like you mentioned, there's a lot of upside to the Broncos this year. That being said, when I realistically look at the Broncos, I have a tough time saying that they're going to be super competitive. Not that they're not going to be competitive, but they're going to have a tough division. Obviously, I said earlier that I believe the Chargers are going to dominate that division. I think they're a step above every other team in that division. And then the Raiders have the influx of defense coming in this year. I just think they have an opportunity to be just as good. And then obviously the Chiefs. Yeah, you switch out Alex Smith, but you're returning. Besides Alex Smith and Marcus Peters, you're returning most of the guys on the Chiefs team. Mahomes might offer you a little bit more of a explosive side upside. So I just think it's going to be a competitive division, which might limit the production coming out from that team, especially with playing the Chargers twice a year and that great defense. Moving on to wrap up our top 15, Stefan Diggs. We kind of touched on him earlier while we were talking about Thielen. And I think Diggs is the better, more explosive player. Now, he's never played a full season. But that being said, there's two ways to look at the fact that he hasn't played a full season. One, yeah, maybe he's not reliable. But at a young age, he could possibly still give you that full season. If he does give you that full season, you could expect higher production rates because he hasn't given you and he hasn't had the opportunity to play in all 16 games, therefore limiting his opportunity and his production. So although usually a bad thing, you could look at it as a positive light. Like I said, with the improved team, I think it might hurt the receiving core there a little bit. But Diggs, I think, is the most talented pass catcher on the team. Therefore, I don't find his stock dropping that much. I think that he'll still garner a lot of targets and a lot of big plays. Yeah, and that's always been the knock against Stephon Diggs. He's had trouble staying healthy since he's entered the NFL. But as mentioned earlier, I think that he should see more targets with Kirk Cousins as his quarterback as he is more of a field-stretching wide receiver. And he has the ability to get separation at every level of the field. Just like Pat Shermer benefited Adam Thielen last year, I think Shermer leaving and Kirk Cousins coming in is going to have a huge benefit for Stephon Diggs' fantasy value as long as he can stay on the field. Before we wrap up for the day, guys, we're going to do some this guy or that guy. We take a couple of guys who are in similar situations, whether it be same position, same outlook, or same team, and we're going to tell you which guy we would prefer to go with. Starting off, for all you Redskins fans out there, Bo and Anita, this is for you guys. Josh Doxson versus Paul Richardson. I'll send it over to Mike to get his take on Paul Richardson first because I believe that's who he got. Yeah, so both of these guys are going much later in fantasy drafts both could definitely be a value in 2018 however I lean Paul Richardson he plays a little bit more closer to that Tyreek Hill role a little bit more of an explosive player that Alex Smith is more familiar with playing with so I could see them kind of building that camaraderie a little bit earlier in the season and I just don't think Josh Doxson is very good at creating separation which we know Alex Smith is a very safe quarterback so I don't know if he's going to be comfortable throwing into those tight windows that Josh Doxson typically operates in I get that argument and I'm a fan of Paul Richardson I thought he was pretty productive in his limited role in for the Seattle Seahawks but I definitely got to go with Josh Doxson mainly because the head coach there likes Josh Doxson and they drafted him in the first round they've been waiting for him to come out I have insider information from the uh, Redskins fan our resident offensive line specialist here at Football MD Mike Bowe is a Redskins fan and he swears by Josh Doxson man you set me up for this argument 
You were talking to Bo? So, you were talking to Bo? <laughs> so I'm going to go with him here. And yeah, I'm going to say Doxian has that elite level type upside as far as from the physical standpoint. He's explosive. He can make all the catches. He's just got to be able to stay healthy. And yeah, as far as that, as long as he can get healthy and get on the field, I think he'll be productive for the Washington Redskins. Our next player comparison is going to be between two later round pass catching running backs. We have Theo Riddick and Bilal Powell. For myself, I personally prefer Powell. He's going a little bit later in fantasy drafts. They're both going after the 12th round, but I think that Powell has a little bit more of a clear path to being productive for fantasy teams come 2018. I know that they have Isaiah Crowell, and I'm actually pretty high on Crowell. I think that he could be a sleeper. I think he's being a little bit undervalued, but we have seen Powell be successful in the past in both the running and passing game, and Isaiah Crowell, even though I said I am high on him, he really doesn't scare me away from taking a late round dart throw, especially in PPR leagues. And on the other side of this argument, I would have to go with uh, Theo Riddick. I honestly believe that Theo Riddick's role there in Detroit has been solidified. It's not going anywhere. Even with the addition of Carrion Johnson, you know, throughout Amir Abdullah, Theo Riddick has been consistently the pass catching back there. I like his upside. I like his abilities. I really do think that he is the better player out of Theo Riddick and Bilal Powell. So I just would rather go with him, even though you're spending a little bit more draft capital, being that he goes like a round earlier or two rounds earlier. I just think it's worth it because he's also on a better offense as far as Matt Stafford and a better offensive line. So yeah, for Riddick, I just think there's more upside. Plus, he's a Notre Dame guy, so what's not to love about the Notre Dame guy? I just think Riddick, he hasn't really had competition for that pass-catching role in on the Detroit Lions. I know you're a huge fan of Carrion Johnson. I think Carrion Johnson really is a do-it-all type of back, so I could see him maybe not early on in the season, but throughout the season, drastically cutting into that pass-catching role. I see what you're saying there. I just don't see it happen. Like I said, I just think his role there is is solidified and his rapport, his camaraderie with the offense is, you know, already built. So I just don't think a rookie is going to come in there and immediately steal it away. I do think the world of Carrion Johnson, but I just don't think that'll be something that happens immediately. Moving on, the next one, we have two late round tight ends, Austin Sferian Jenkins versus Eric Ebron. In my opinion, I would go ASJ just because obviously at this point of the draft, if you are picking one of these guys, it's kind of a dart throw pick. And I like the upside from the physical talent of Austin Severian Jenkins. I also like the fact that he is a Jaguars tight end, which you never know which one is going to be productive, but even Mercedes Lewis last year had a game with three touchdowns overseas in London. I just think, you know, Blake Bortles isn't the best quarterback in the league. We all know that. And I think a close safety net in the tight end, especially one like Austin Severian Jenkins, who has the physical traits, physical abilities to be an athletic, explosive type of tight end, has a lot of upside in that thing. Now, of course, with us, Austin Severian Jenkins, there's the potential of always being suspended, the personality issues. We know about the, those late round. Obviously, this is why I'm saying it's your dart throw. It's really not for him to be the consistent wide receiver one. You don't want to rely on this guy every week, but he is somebody that if you can plug in, and he ha- he gets a healthy role going and doesn't get himself into some trouble, he can be have some promising upside. Yeah, and I'm not trying to be a homer here, but I love Eric Ebron moving to the Indianapolis Colts. He They have Frank Reich over there now coming over from Doug Peterson's Eagles, and I think they're going to be running one move tight end, one in line. Jack Doyle is a much better pass blocker than Eric Ebron is, so I think that Ebron is going to be playing that receiving role. And in the fantasy playoffs during 2017, Eric Ebron had 20 receptions, 
receptions for 210 yards and two touchdowns. During that time, he was the highest scoring tight end in fantasy. Not Rob Gronkowski, not Travis Kelsey, not Zach Ertz. It was Eric Ebron putting up 51 PPR points during that three-week span. Now with the Colts, Eric Ebron is going to be playing with Andrew Luck, who between 2014 and 2016 averaged more touchdown passes to tight ends than all NFL quarterbacks not named Tom Brady. We know that the Colts like to run two tight end sets very frequently, and I think Eric Ebron is going to be the primary beneficiary of that. Even though I do see what you're saying with the talent and potential of ASJ, I think Ebron is stepping into a much better situation than he had with the Detroit Lions, where he disappointed, to say the least, for his time there. Well, like I said, I do stick with my pick in ASJ, but I will say the one upside that I have for Ebron is, compared to ASJ, at least if Andrew Luck plays, he has an elite top-tier quarterback throwing to him, as opposed to Blake Bortles. And I think both of these guys are going undrafted in fantasy drafts this season, as of right now. So this further alludes to us waiting on the tight end position, targeting elite options at other positions and building up value there while you can still get guys that we see a lot of upside in worst case scenario if you have to stream at some point throughout the season before we wrap up we got one more we're gonna take a look at four rookie wide receivers starting with Gallup in Dallas Kirk in Arizona Washington in Pittsburgh and Miller in Chicago I think the obvious choice is Gallup he would be my number one I'll let you talk about him because we know about the upside and I know that you're gonna go with him as well So I'll talk about Kirk. I think Kirk is obviously the next man in that order. Washington and Miller both have a lot of pass catchers present. Washington, obviously, with Juju Smith-Schuster, Le'Veon Bell, and Antonio Brown. He's going to fall very low on that totem pole. Miller, you just brought in Allen Robinsons and Taylor Gabriel. Obviously, they're a strong run game team, so I just don't think, again, you're very high on the totem pole there with Miller. Kirk, at least he can probably be the number two wide receiver there besides Larry Fitzgerald. And, and David Johnson, almost, if you want to count it that way. Well, of course, but it's not three or four guys deep, right. you know. it's he. It could be the number two wide receiver. He has good talent. He has he was very productive from inside, inside the slot in college. As far as this draft class of wide receivers, he was top-notch production. He was able to produce under different quarterbacks at te- Texas A&M. I really like his game, and I think every team needs that utility slot guy who can go over the middle and that's Christian Kirk, so I like his upside in Arizona. Yeah, and I think both of us, we really like all four of these players as late-round flyers, guys at the wide receiver position that can really bring you value if the opportunity presents itself in 2018. So definitely look out for all four of these guys. As Dan alluded to, Michael Gallup is both of our number ones, I think, out of this group of people. Just because the only guy that he's really competing for with targets is Alan Hearns, who I personally don't think is very good. I know that he's had some successful seasons with the Jacksonville Jaguars, but he's not the type of player when you watch him, when you watch his film, there's nothing special about him. He benefited from being one of the only wide receivers on that team that was a capable pass catcher. He definitely benefited from being aside Allen Robinson, who is drawing the tougher matchups each week. Now moving to Dallas, I think he will start the season as the number one wide receiver, but throughout the season, I definitely see Michael Gallup encroaching on that. To speak to Christian Kirk, again, my main knock against the next, against these next three guys, is that they just have way more competition and they're clearly not the number one on their teams. Christian Kirk has Larry Fitzgerald, but again, I think that Kirk should work his way into that lineup and be somewhat productive for fantasy teams. I think that James Washington, of he's probably going to be the fourth or fifth target on that team behind Schuster, Brown, Bell. They signed Vance McDonald at tight end, so 
it's going to be tough for him to fight four targets there, but he does have a ton of opportunity on a high-powered offense with a great quarterback there. So I do like James Washington. He's probably my number two guy out of this four. And then Anthony Miller, I just love this guy's game. I think, especially with Matt Nagy going to Chicago now, I could see him having a lot of opportunity and having a ton of upside. But again, they signed Allen Robinson. You don't bring on someone like Allen Robinson if you're not going to use him. That's clearly what they want to do. They have Tariq Cohen, who's going to be a great pass catcher. They want to run the ball through Jordan Howard. So that's definitely the route that they're going to take. But some upside with Miller. To conclude this group of guys, I think we could say... Gallup and Kirk, they have really do have some upside in their own right as far as they can potentially develop their own roles, whether it's a premier number one guy type of role or whether it's a wide receiver two or even, you know, a low end flex or something like that. They can garner their own role right off the bat. I think with James Washington and Miller, you're almost more looking at them as handcuffs kind of guys to Antonio yeah. Brown and Allen Robinson. If you're going to spend a high draft capital on one of those guys, then I would suggest going out and get this guy. Because if you spend the, the capital on Antonio Brown, I don't expect that you'll go and pick up Juju Smith-Schuster as well. And that's a lot of draft capital as well for two guys on the same team. So the late handcuff would be James Washington and Miller the same thing. I think Taylor Gabriel is going to be coming at a little bit of a higher cost, so it wouldn't be smart to go Allen Robinson and Taylor Gabriel. Go Allen Robinson and then take Miller, you know, whether you take him in the very last round or whatever it may be, just to make sure that the guy that you put a lot of draft capital in doesn't ruin your season. Yeah, and we see it every year. There's always wide receivers that emerge throughout the season that provide great value to fantasy teams and help you make a run throughout the playoffs. So these four guys in particular... I'm usually trying to target at least one of them near the end of my fantasy drafts. And I know recently there's been a stigma against rookie wide receivers. They don't translate to the NFL very well immediately. But I feel like that's extreme recency bias. If we look back a few more years, there's been plenty of instances where rookie wide receivers have stepped in and made an immediate impact. So I think all of these guys have the potential to do that should the proper opportunity present itself. So that's why we decided to speak on these players. And these are definitely guys to target in your fantasy drafts come late August. Once again, guys, want to say thank you for joining us. Remember, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, follow us at FootballMD or FootballMD Podcast. You can also visit our website for articles, rankings, and more at FootballMDPodcast.com. Thanks so much, guys. Thanks for tuning in. See you next week. Take care, guys. Thanks for listening.